0: It's your man uncle dub you know what this is this is episode 108 of the sports wagon podcast friday edition i'm here to say what's up all you mom and M, tell them hit me up check me out instagram twitter it's uncle dub i t s u n c l e underscore d u b well we made it people it is the weekend you know what time it is on the show we're gonna talk college football um wow so this week is pretty good. Next week is just going to be just to kind of let you know, it's going to be an explosion of games next week. So it's rivalry week next week. So it's going to be big, a lot of games. And uh, because it's the holiday, I'm going to probably do my picks over a couple days instead of, you know, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be here. But I'm not going to be here. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to be a Thursday. I'm not going to, you know, be here Friday. I'm, you know, once Thanksgiving's over, you know how, how it goes. we, if you haven't already make that transition to Christmas, a lot of people have just made transition to Christmas and just said, screw Thanksgiving. But, you know, um, as my brother-in-law said, you know, no one's thankful for anything anymore. Um, so before we, you know, start or the way we'll start today, we'll start with major league baseball. So, uh, yesterday, the major league, uh, the last two major league baseball awards were handed out. That would be the league MVPs. The Cy Youngs were handed out a few days earlier. So Shohei Ohtani, unanimously wins the al mvp um, he's the fifth unanimous mvp of the league since 2000 in the national league bryce harper wins his second national league mvp he's the fourth player uh, with multiple mvps before the age of 30 he got 17 or 30 first place votes so congratulations to otani and bryce harper uh, shohei otani and bryce harper on their mvp wins For the Cy Young, Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers wins the National League Cy Young uh, 28 games, 2.43 ERA, 234 strikeouts, and 167 innings pitched. For the the American League, Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays, he went 13-7, 2.84 ERA, with 193 and a third innings pitched. He is the first Blue Jay to win the Cy Young since the the late Roy Halladay back in 2003 so congratulations to all the award winners um the way this typically works i know they announced the gold gloves if they haven't already that should be relatively soon it seems like the baseball awards to me i feel like get delayed so it's like the season's over you know who are you know your your uh your championship uh series mvps your world series mvps but the league awards tend to get pushed a little further out. So I think the if they haven't been announced, the Golden Gloves will be announced really soon. A um, couple, news, couple news items from Major League Baseball. Justin Verlander, he signs a one-year deal to stay in Houston. So he gets $25 million for one year with an option for a second season. So Verlander is 38. Um, he only played one game in 2020. He had surgery on an ulnar collateral ligament and missed the 2021 season. So by missing the 2021 season, that marked the end of his contract. So initially the Astros gave him an offer of 18 million. He rejected that offer. They renegotiate. He got the 25 for one with an option for a second year, um, for his career. Um, and also, um, uh he has two Cy Young awards so you use the 2019 Cy Young winner and he won in 2011 with Detroit um in his uh career with Houston 43 and 15 2.45 ERA 640 strikeouts and 74 starts and of course that world championship in 2017 all right let's move over to the NFL so Thursday night football the Patriots 25 to nothing over the Atlanta Falcons Whew. This one was ugly for the Falcons. Their offensive woes continue. The Atlanta quarterbacks, all three played, and between them, four interceptions. Matt Ryan had two, Josh Rosen had one, and Felipe Franks had one himself. Matt Jones for the Patriots, twenty-two for twenty-six, two hundred seven yards, one touchdown, one intercept, one interception. Uh, Nick Folk kicked three field goals for the Patriots, but the New England defense, they. Got an interception and a touchdown, and their defense has been playing like their hair is on fire. Within the last three games, they have only surrendered 13 points. So this New England defense is peaking and just hitting their stride at the right time. Uh, New England, with that win, they go to 7-4. They take on the Titans uh, at home, who are 8-2. This is going to be a really big matchup. Uh, That will be on the 26th of November, so it should be a week from today. Uh, Atlanta four and six, they go to Jacksonville who are two and seven on the same day. So we're going to start seeing some Friday football, uh, next week. And of course there's going to be Thanksgiving games. Uh, I'm sure green Bay is playing was it green Bay and Detroit? Oh, it'd be terrible. <laughs> um, you know, cause Detroit is just, just really, really abysmal. Uh, you know, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, one Thursday, one notable Thursday night college game. Uh, Louisville over Duke, sixty-two to twenty-two. Malik Cunningham put up just gaudy numbers, and here's the crazy part: he wasn't feeling well. So, could you imagine the types of numbers he would put up if he felt well? So, this, so here are the numbers, and mind you, these are the numbers with Malik Cunningham not feeling well. He went eighteen for twenty-five, three hundred and three yards, five touchdowns. <sighs> so, again, if he was a hundred percent, I mean. This score would have just been a lot worse. Um, Duke is three and eight. Louisville goes to six and five. Duke got uh, touchdowns off of two rushing TDs. I mean, you know, as we've talked about, this just hasn't been Duke's season, unfortunately. I mean, you know, I suspected Blue Devils will be back. I mean, like I said, they are. So if you remember in the years prior to Coach Cutcliffe, Duke was pretty much the doormat of the ACC. Uh, with coach cut back, they've won a coastal championship. They've been to the ACC championship game. So, I mean, you know, this is a team that, you know, they kind of go back and forth. They hit their ebbs and flows. So, you know, I don't really have any doubts that Duke football is going to be back in a conversation, uh, very soon. All right, let's talk a little college basketball. So we're still in the early part of the season and You know, the the ranked matchups are, you know, kind of slowly coming around. We got a few on the women's side, Um, on the men's side, not that many. But as we've talked about, you know, we're getting ramped up for tournament season. So uh, next week, you're going to see all the tournaments that are going to start over the weekend, all the way through the holidays. You're going to see a lot of good basketball. You get a really good chance to kind of get a nice sample of a lot of different teams from a lot of different places. So, you know, if you focus on one particular conference, like I said, I'm more so, I I don't. I watch a lot of ACC because this is where I live. This is where I grew up on, but I like to see what's going on in the American and the big 12, the Pac 12, you know, I like to see everybody because it kind of gives you, you know, and and that's the way you should do it. It kind of gives you a feel for what the landscape looks like. And then when it comes time for March madness for, for, Better, better for worse it p- could help you <laughs> to pick well <laughs> i mean what i found and this is through my own experience is that the years where i didn't pay that close attention to a lot of teams i think my picks were a lot better and, and then so that was one year that i don't think i may have watched a handful of games all season then i watched the conference tournaments and then here comes you know, the, the NCAA tournament and I made my picks and I think my final four was either intact. Oh, I think, if I think back to that season, I think my final four, I think I might've gotten three out of four or my final four is intact, but my picks were pretty spot on when I'm paying attention and I'm watching this team and I'm thinking about, okay, so, you know, this team's really good. This team's picking at the right time. Oh, here comes this team out of nowhere. They win their conference tournament. Let's look at them. How did they, uh, you know, match it with everybody else, you know, what are their chances? I mean, when you know these things, again, how much information can you hold in your head? And, 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 you know, you got experts for this, but how many, how much information can you hold in your head long enough to get to March and say, well, based upon what I've seen, the body of work I've seen across the season, here's what I think are going to be the teams that will end up uh, in the final four. Um, but then we have to take uh, take into account that there are teams that, as we all know, come out of nowhere. There's that great Cinderella story, so you never know when you get a team that's going to, you know, maybe make a run to the Elite Eight or a team that just gets on a hot streak, beats some really good teams, and makes it to the Final Four. And and it's not just your bracket that's busted; everyone's bracket is busted. So over the last two or three tournaments. We've seen that. I think last year, my bracket was pretty much trashed by the time. I mean, I think the only team I got in was Gonzaga and Baylor, I think, were the only two. Uh, my other two teams, I think they either they lost somewhere along the way, probably maybe not early on the tournament. But, you know, I'm looking at it going, well, you know, it is what it is. But I don't know. Some people have a really good methodology. I mean, some folks just decide, well, I'm just going to blindly pick. And then, of course, there's the folks who – do it for fun and go, well, who's got the better mascot? And I've heard some weird stories that people do it that way and actually do fairly well. So I mean, what whatever method works for you, works for you. But if you're really a fan of college basketball, um, you want to, you really enjoy this time of year because you get to see a lot of these uh, these inter-conference matchups uh, or these these conference versus conference matchups in these tournaments. And then I think they're going to do the, what, AC big 10 challenge. I think there's also a big East big 12 challenge or something. There's these different challenges among conferences. uh, But the tournaments really give you a nice feel for, uh, you know, what team, how teams are doing, because in conference, you kind of get a good feel for, you know, how they're going to do. But then when they step out of conference, then, you know, the competition in some ways kind of ramps up or the competition is about the same. But then it's just a matter of, OK, well, how do we match up, you know, defensively? How do we do often? You know, do, can we shoot well? If we shoot well and we match up defensively, then we got a good chance to win the game. So, So there's so many variables that we have to consider, but it's just fun to sit and watch and get to know some of these players, because these are names we're going to be hearing over the next few months. Um, whether it's young guys coming in or whether it's guys maybe who've been playing for a while, but you've never really got the chance to maybe watch Kansas play or whatever. So, so much good basketball coming and let's kind of look at, uh, the men's side where not as many, as I mentioned, not as many ranked matchups for the men's side over the weekend. Uh, starting on Saturday, this is the Cheez-It Hall of Fame tip off at the Mohegan Sun. Game one, number five, Villanova takes on number 17, Tennessee. And in the second game, number 18, North Carolina takes on number six, Purdue. Um, Now, let's go to the women's side. The women's side has uh, the battle for Atlantis, and then there's a nice doubleheader on Sunday. But let's start on Friday night here. So here's a game that's probably not on your radar, but maybe if you got some time, check it out. It might be pretty interesting. Kansas State at 4-0. They're going to go to Raleigh to take on number five NC State at three and one. So this is the preseason women's NIT. So it's, you know, a tournament, but it may be off your radar because you've got a Kansas team that's undefeated and unranked versus a a ranked uh, NC State team. But here's a name you need to keep your eye on. Aoka Lee. So she's a 6'6 junior center for Kansas State. She is currently the second leading scorer in the nation. She scores 29.2 points a game. She also kicks in with 11 rebounds, so she's averaging a double-double currently. And get this, she shoots about 73% from the field. Now, with that height at (laughs) 6'6", I'm hoping that you shoot 73, the 75% or more from the field. So, apparently, with that scoring average, she is really getting some great opportunities to put the ball in the basket um, her teammates are setting her up nicely to, you know, put the ball in the basket, but she's doing what she needs to do. She's getting the scoring done and she's rebounding well. So keep your eye out for Kansas State and Aoka, Aoka Lee, uh, second leading scorer in the nation, uh, taking on the Wolfpack in the women's preseason in IT at Reynolds on Friday night. And I think that game might be on ESPN. I didn't write that down, but check your local listings again. Nice Friday night game to check out. Now, let's go to Saturday. Saturday, it is the Battle for Atlantis, the women's version in Nassau. Four games. So, 3-1 Minnesota takes on number two, UConn, currently undefeated at noon. Syracuse takes on South Florida, who's 23rd ranked at 230. Both teams are 2-1. Then at 5 p.m., 3-0 Oklahoma takes on 2-0 Oregon. Oregon is ranked ninth. And then the nightcap at 7 p.m., Buffalo at 1-0 takes on number one, South Carolina, who's 3-0 And they play at 7 p.m. So that I don't know. I didn't see any TV listings for that. I'm hoping that game's going to be on somewhere. So um, I know one year that Battle for Atlantis was on like ABC. I'm sorry, uh, the NBC Sports Network or, you know, some of those those regional networks. So um, check your local listings. But I think this is going to be a really good slate of games. There's I think there's a potential for probably one upset uh, in this group of four games on Sunday. You've got. Two ranked games. Number six, Baylor, goes to College Park to take on number three, Maryland. That game's at 1 p.m. on Big Ten Network. And at the same time on ESPN, number 12, Texas, visits Rocky Top. They go to Thompson Bowling Arena, the summit, to take on the Lady Volunteers of Tennessee. So some really good games to kind of get you started. We're setting the table for you. And then come next week, you're just going to get a bomb of basketball for several days. Then we get a little bit of a break. And then, of course, we're going to working our way towards Christmas to where we'll see a few more tournaments. You know, teams are going to take some time off. We're going to get a few more ranked games in there. And in some cases, some teams will be starting conference play. So, for example, uh, in the ACC, on the men's side, where they play about 20 conference games, some of those teams will start meeting each other uh, very shortly. All right. So when we come back, we'll take a break. We're going to look at... The slate for college football this week uh, i'll go over my my record for last week i'll think i'll try to see tell you what i learned and what i didn't learn last week and then of course we got dubs and l's as we do every friday stay tuned if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain it's free there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple podcast, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back. So let's look at the college football sleep for this week. Um, 12 games. I'm picking last week. I picked 17 games. I went 9-8. and eight. So for the season, I'm 57-50 and 50 overall. Um, yeah, last week was kind of a weird mixed bag of things. Like, I can't really put my finger on anything that I'm like, okay, I definitely learned this or saw this. Um, I think this week with some of the games, I think some more things will become slightly more apparent. You know, the, this, this playoff picture is still developing. I think there are some things that, you know, will kind of get a feel for some things to come. And there's a couple of games I'll point out in a moment, but I mean, at this point in the season, you're either in one or three categories. You're either a, you know, you're, you know, on that upper echelon, you're, you know, you're set either playoffs, um, higher end of that, you know, the kind of the lower end of the echelon, you're going to be what, uh, you know, probably you're six on your sixth bowl, Um, or you're you know, on the other end of it, you're a team, you have a minimum of six minimum of six wins, you're going to a bowl, and then there's everybody else, and then again, everybody else, they're in varying states of bad. (laughs) You know, so you know, we got the teams that maybe they could win out the rest of the season, maybe finish, you know, six and six and get into a bowl. You got the teams that no matter what happens, they're going to finish with a losing record. Maybe they'll finish five and seven. And then you got the teams that, you know, have struggled to win two or three games. So, I mean, for, for, so for those teams, it's, you know, well, what we know about ourselves is that obviously we have to get better. But then the questions are, you know, how do we get better? What things do we do? What pieces do we add? Um, you know, we start thinking about, OK, can this get better next season? Uh, for some programs, yes. For other programs, it's going to take a little more time, more work. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, the coaching the coaching situations, you know, the USC, LSU. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, Virginia Tech. Um, and then there, and we know there are going to be some other uh, firings to come, uh, potentially, with some of these other bigger name teams. And, of course, teams that maybe we're really not, really not paying attention to. So in regards to LSU, um, so Michigan State's head coach, Mel Tucker, uh, was on a show. I can't remember what show he's on, but he talked about uh, how Michigan State for him is a destination job. And that is actually on the heels of Michigan State giving him a huge contract extension. So they're renegotiating his contract. I believe the numbers are somewhere close to about 100 million for about 10 years somewhere In that ballpark. So that for me ends my talk and probably the talk that's been out there about him going potentially to LSU. Now, uh, if you know his history and I forgot this, he's a Big Ten guy. So he did coach. So he came from Georgia. He was the defensive line coach, whatever. But he played in the Big Ten. He played for Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. So he's a Big Ten guy. He knows the Big Ten culture, but I felt like and many did that he would be a good fit at LSU, considering he also coached in the SEC. So with that said, the LSU job, there's going to be a lot of names still swirling around that position. And, you know, they've talked to and and, you know, how I feel about you know, in the middle of a football press conference, here comes someone to say, hey, by the way, are you interested in X job? <laughs> and um, and I think, you know, Lincoln Riley has had to push, brush those questions aside over the last week or so. So, that, you know, so the speculation is still out there about who's going to go where. So, I mean, you know, right with LSU, there's going to be a long list of names and, you know, we won't know until we know. But as I said, with the LSU job, the person who takes that job, number one, they're going to really be in a good position to do some great things. Um, you know, they've got a really good fan base. They've got, you know, good support. Um, but on the other side of that, there's that federal investigation. So they got to go in in the middle of all that. Um, don't know where the NCAA is going to come in in all of this. So how much is that going to hinder the, potential for this team to recruit and do all the things that they need to do so i mean there's a lot of um, unknowns in this right now but for the most part um including and the biggest unknown is who is going to be the name that's going to emerge as the candidate for this job because i mean i've heard people say stuff like you know lane kiffin which i'm going oh my god as if he doesn't have enough to worry about the man can't go to knoxville without without security. I mean, if he leaves Old Miss and goes to LSU, I mean, he's going to have to coach. He's going to have to coach from the press box because he's never going to be able to go into another <laughs> another uh, visiting stadium ever again, especially in Oxford <laughs> when LSU and Old Miss play. So I don't know. I think that's a little bit far-fetched, but nevertheless, I mean, as I said, we won't know until we know, but Anything could happen uh, at this rate, uh, at this stage of the game. All right, let's look at uh, the slate this week. So starting noon, the noon slate, noon ABC, number seven, the aforementioned Spartans of Michigan State go to Columbus to take on number four, Ohio State, who are 19-point favorites. So don't yell at me. I'm thinking Michigan State. I'm going to pick Michigan State here. I mean, look, at this point in the season, Now, I'll be honest with you. I've had some picks that I've gone back and forth on and then looking back at them later, I go, well, you know, that pick makes more sense. Again, we don't know. Uh, I'll tell you this much. If I'm picking at about the same clip or making the same picks as the so-called experts and they're getting it wrong, what do I have to lose? I'm not getting anything out of this. I mean, it's not like anyone's paying me to be like, hey, you need to say our team. I'm going Michigan State in this one. Um, I don't know. It's like Ohio State is still that team. They are a juggernaut. But to me, they don't look as juggernautish, if that makes any sense. So I don't know. Michigan State, the, the way that Ohio State wins this game, if they stop the run. There's a good chance they can do that, but Kenneth Walker Jr., or Ken Walker third, rather, apologize. Kenneth Walker third. I mean, he's really been doing some damage this season. Um, haven't looked at his stats recently, but I feel like there may be a game or two where he wasn't quite on his pace. Nevertheless, I think he's the key in this game. I'm going to take Michigan State. Noon on ESPN, number 10 Wake Forest goes to Death Valley to take on Clemson, six-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to take Wake. Um, And I guess at this point, Wake uh, hereby's will solidify their stranglehold, if you will, on the ACC Atlantic division. Um, If they haven't clinched already, I think this game will probably more or less clinched it, clinch it for them because I forget who they have to finish off the season. Um, Yeah. uh, Again, Wake is really doing it very well on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But defensively, I think there they are a little bit more uh, they're not who you think they are because you don't normally associate defense with Wake Forest. It's, you know, they have usually been an offensive team, but again, I think they're really doing good things on both sides of the ball. I'm going to take Wake Forest in this one. Um, the big noon kickoff on Fox, Iowa State goes to Norman to take on number 13, Oklahoma, who are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the Sooners here. Yeah, It's just like Iowa State to me, like I said, there's been some games where I've picked them. They've lost. They haven't been as steady as they've been in the last few years. Their head coach, Matt Campbell, he's one of those guys who's on a lot of these watch lists for these head coaching jobs. So don't be surprised, potentially. And and, and and as I'm saying this, I'm trying to remember back, did he sign a big contract sometime recently? Because that's the other piece, too. If he signed a big contract, there's probably not as likely as the chances he'll leave. But if the money's right, you know they'll figure out buyouts and all that sort of stuff. But his name is going to come up and has come up and will continue to come up in a lot of these cur- coaching searches. I feel like his name was on the USC list Um, so again, young guy, you know, kind of, he kind of looks very California. (laughs) So, but nevertheless, I like Oklahoma, the three and a half probably sounds about right. I don't think this is going to be a blowout win for Oklahoma, but I think this game will be close. Uh, the 3.30, 4 o'clock slate, number 21, Arkansas, goes to Tuscaloosa to take on number two, Alabama, who are 20 and a half point favorites. I, as much as I like Arkansas, I don't think they're there yet. I mean, not many teams are there yet. Although, keep your eye on this one. This one could <laughs> go the other way. And now, mind you, this is important. Because if this game goes the other way, then the college football committee has to ask themselves one question. If Alabama loses, does a two-loss SEC team still stay in the playoff? Because there's a lot of things they got away looking from 5 down to 10 because there are a lot of teams in that 5-10 position who are still, you know, hoping, you know, like that the shark in the water and there's the blood and they're waiting for the blood to start leaking out so they can attack and get themselves back into this playoff. But Alabama at 20-and-a-half, I think I'm – good with taking uh, Alabama 330 ESPN from the Steel City number 18 Pittsburgh hosts Virginia so this game uh, I think so this game is essentially the game that's going to clinch the ACC coastal now again love my squad love my team but here's what I figured out schematically I think UVA is where they need to be they cannot tackle four squat. If you watch them against BYU, they couldn't hit Tyler uh, Tyler Algier. Against Notre Dame, forget it. It was it, it was a wash from the from the get go. They couldn't knock anybody down. Plus, not having Brennan Armstrong. So if you think about Brennan, if had Brennan Armstrong been healthy enough to play, it wouldn't have been a twenty five point blowout loss. It'd probably have been a maybe a ten point blowout loss, uh, not blowout loss, ten point loss potentially. Um, with that, I'm gonna take Pitt. I mean, unless these UVA defenders wake up and hit somebody or they got the gang tackle or something, they have got to make some plays on the defensive side. Or this is going to be a long day because two glove Kenny is going to just lose his mind if Virginia is not hitting and making plays. Uh four o'clock, the 91st meeting between UCLA and USC at the Coliseum for the big for the victory bell. So that bell is currently being held by USC. UCLA are three and a half point favorites. I'm gonna take the Bruins to uh drag the victory bell across town back to Westwood. So I'll take UCLA over USC in the 91st meeting for the victory bell. 5.30, that's an odd start time. Fox Sports 1, number 11, Baylor, goes to Kansas State, who are one-point favorites. I'm smelling upset here. I'm going to take Kansas State uh, over Baylor. Uh, On the farm in Palo Alto, Cal, who are one-and-a-half-point favorites, visits Stanford for the 124th meeting of the big game for the Stanford Axe, so currently being held by the Stanford Cardinal. Um, That game, 7 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. Um, so this if if anything, if you are a fan of college football, you are sort of familiar with this rivalry because there's the famous call of the 1982 game where the band is on the field. The band is on the field. <laughs> so if you if you haven't seen this, go find it on YouTube. It's crazy. But essentially the way that game ended, Cal made like four laterals ran the ball back with no time left and won the game at home. And to this day, there are Stanford fans who are still mad about that outcome. It's been almost 40 years since that game and folks are still pissed off about that. And I understand. I mean, I'm still mad about Justin Sisson making that field goal to beat Virginia when they were number one back in 90. So I I feel you on that. Seven, the seven, Clock, 7.30 slate, 7.30 ABC, so the primetime game. Number three, Oregon goes to number 23, Utah. Utah three-point favorites. I'm going to take the Ducks. Over Utah, 730 ACC Network, Virginia Tech visits Coral Gables to take on the Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are seven and a half point favorites. I like Miami in this one. Um, And this is a a game that, for me, would always be on my calendar. I'm not a big fan of either team, but Virginia Tech and Miami, they've had some epic battles. Uh, If I recall correctly, they were both in the Big East at one time. Then they both went to the ACC. And they've had some great battles, those great defenses, those great offenses going at each other. So because these two teams have kind of fallen off, this game usually is played sometime in the middle of the season. So usually sometime in October, maybe mid to late October. Um, So we're not too far off when they would meet. But nevertheless, this game, because when they were ranked, um, there was always something special about this game. And then when Miami would go to Blacksburg, there was just a lot of... I I think there was always a lot of jawing in this game, but I think it's much more, much more than much more than usual when Miami went to Blacksburg because, you know, you know, tech with inner Sandman, Miami comes in with swagger. They're trying to, you know, take that home field advantage. But Miami's at home. I like Tyler Van Dyke. He's doing such a great job. I think he's kind of the next big name in quarterbacking at the U. So we'll go with Miami. 8 p.m. on Fox number nine Oklahoma State 10 point favorites go to uh where are they going? They go into Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. Oh boy, I didn't pick the, I didn't put a I didn't put a box around this one. Um on the spot pick, I'm gonna take Oklahoma State in this one. Uh because I think as I was picking, I left this one because I wasn't really sure, but I'm gonna take the Cowboys over the Red Raiders. Your last game, 10-30 ESPN. So for all you night owls, number uh, Arizona State, three-point favorites, go to Corvallis Research Stadium to take on the Beavers of Oregon State. I'm going to take the Beavers over the Sun Devils uh, in that Pac-12 matchup. All right, so it is that time of the week, that time of the show for dubs and L's. So we got a couple L's and one dub. And, you know... (sighs) Today's dub, it's weird how you think about something that has happened and then something else happens in the real world that kind of coincides with this in some way. So here's the dub for the week. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt commutes the death sentence of Julius Jones to life. So. The case of Julius Jones was profiled in a documentary produced by Viola Davis called The Last Defense. So it was a multiple part documentary and numerous sports figures have and continue to speak out in support of Jones. So Folks like Baker Mayfield, Steve Kerr, Dak Prescott, Blake Griffin, Russell Westbrook and Trey Young. So, the case of Julius Jones. Jones was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to die in 1999 for the shooting death of Paul Howell in Edmond, Oklahoma, during a carjacking. Uh, The the commutation of his sentence occurred yesterday. Yesterday was the day he was scheduled to be executed. Jones has proclaimed his innocence for over 20 years, saying that he was framed by his co-defendant, who was a key witness against him in the court case. Um, The Pardon and Parole Board of Oklahoma voted three to one on November 1st to recommend to the governor that Jones' sentence be commuted to life. Some panel members agreed that there were doubts about the evidence that was presented in this case. So, and a few minutes ago, so in real time, The Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict came down, not guilty on all charges. And it shows me in two separate instances. So here's a man, Julius Jones, who's been on death row for all these years, and he has proclaimed his innocence, that there is doubt in the mind of the Parole and Pardon Board. So if there's doubt in the Parole and Pardon Board, then that kind of tells you and still says to me that the system doesn't work. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm just figuring this out. I knew this, but here's yet another case of how the system does not work. Kyle Rittenhouse, another glaring example of how the system doesn't work. I've talked on a f- episode a-, a few weeks ago where I gave a dub and l talking about Isaiah Thomas and his interview uh with uh that guy that joker whatever his face the journal the so-called journalist and saying how the nfl playing the black national anthem divides us and at that time and i say it again when has america been truly united my answer is never and we see this so much when we talk about the justice that is doled out or the so-called justice that is doled out. So here's Julius Jones, who his life was spared, and his attorney is basically saying that, you know, this man is innocent. So the state of Oklahoma potentially almost killed an innocent man. So again, or a man who is claiming his innocence, will the will over time will the Evidence presents itself to say that he's innocent. We don't know. But it's just yet another small victory. But yet, when will the big victories come? When will this system actually work for everyone, truly work for everyone? Because they say it, it's equal justice under the law. But you can say one thing and do a totally different thing. And that's what's happening here. And lastly, the thing that really sticks out to me is, you know, when will my life matter? Because I'll be real with you, you know, I have these moments where I'm thinking, you know, with the way things are going, you know, there was a time where my parents had to have this conversation with me. They had to have it with my brother. Now I'm going to have to have this same conversation And we're talking 30 plus years later with my son at some point. But the difference here is it feels like things have gotten progressively worse that, you know, his skin is a weapon and someone feels and and many people feel intimidated by this weapon. So it's just like, you know, when will we truly have equal justice under the law? But I am pleased That Mr. Jones's sentence was commuted to life, that he has the opportunity to continue his crusade for his innocence. And I am, you know, I am encouraged by these athletes and coaches using their platform in a positive way, because for me as a podcaster, this is what I want to do. I want to use this platform to give not just the score and the outcome and the analysis, but. I want to talk about how sports and sports figures positively influence our world. Now, in the L, I'm going to talk about how some of these figures are not influencing our world positively. But it's just we only get we only get to a point to where we see the system truly working when. You get more people who believe that the system is broken, not just people who look like me, but people who don't look like me. We get more allies who are truly about speaking truth to power. That's that's where it comes from. That's how the civil rights movement worked. And we got to start this thing all over again. We got to get to a point to where, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but we got to get to a point to where we demand that the system get better. Blow the thing up and start over. Something. But for Julius Jones, he gets an opportunity because there are sports figures who took their eye off of their craft for just a moment to uh, petition on his behalf because there is enough out there to say that, you know, maybe... We need to revisit the evidence because maybe there was some wrong here and the wrong needs to be righted. So, again, it's about righting wrongs and then helping to try to fix the system, whether we fix it, we we just totally start over. Something has to happen. All right. Let's go to the L. So, again, we just (laughs) we just go on into here's how it all went south this week. Um, I guess we'll start with the uh the Zach Stacy video so the ex New York Jets running back uh, so he was arrested today in Orlando so he um in the video he uh you know he brutally just battered his ex-girlfriend the mother of his his child um a couple things on that number one people stop retweeting the video. Uh, I saw the video and I guess I wasn't really paying attention. Like I saw the name as I don't think I know that name. And then I was watching it and it was so brutal. I was like, this cannot be real. And it was just abhorrent. I I, I can't understand any man who would do those sorts of things to the woman who brought his child or child or children to the world. It just, uh, I, I was like, as I, as I'm, Watching, I, I stopped it. I'm just going to wait, 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 wait. This is this is just too just horrific. And just stop retweeting the guy, the video guys on Twitter. Just stop on social media. Just stop retweeting it. It's terrible. Now, his ex-girlfriend says that he has a history of domestic violence. So let's say this much. The video is clear cut that on that particular event, we know what happened. The history of domestic violence, we can make assumptions that yes this did happen so there's so i'm sure she has evidence you know whatever i mean again but that particular incident it happened we know it happened it was abhorrent and he really just deserves to go to jail for a very long time because that was just probably that was just horrific and just a, a big huge l uh on that and you know for me i i say to anyone who is, or has, or is experiencing that type of, um, just that level of callousness and violence, you know, they are, you know, reach out their resources. Um, if you know someone that you think is in this situation, you know, you reach out to them, you know, resources, you know, just, you know, do your level best to help them. Okay. Um, My other L goes to Antonio Brown. So this is probably the first guy. Now I've talked about him on the show, but not in this way. So he's accused of acquiring a fake COVID vaccination card. So this is uh, via the Tampa Bay Times. So um, this is uh, per his personal, his former personal chef, Stephen Ruiz. So essentially he reached out, I think him or his girlfriend reached out to Ruiz and he said, you know, I got 500 bucks. Can you give me a fake vaccination card? Ruiz couldn't get it. And so then he managed to get a fake vaccination card. Again, this is all under investigation. So this is all what the account of the former personal chef. And he showed up the card and then Ruiz spoke to a source. And I think Tampa Bay Times picked up the story. But essentially, he was owed $10,000 from Antonio Brown. So he you know, told the story. So again, there's a whole lot happening here because the ten thousand dollars I don't think was was from what I could tell was not related to the um the, the the vaccination card. Um if this is true this is a violation of the personal conduct policy. So as you remember the NFL does not require players to be vaccinated. Antonio Brown's attorney says he's vaccinated. So recall that uh, Antonio Brown was COVID positive in week three. He hasn't played since he's been out with an ankle injury. Um, you know, th- this is kind of one of those things for me that it goes back to kind of what, what I was talking about with Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, that, you know, if, if you're going to put people's lives in danger, um, then that just really makes you part of the problem. And I think, you know, the, you know, the NFL is going to investigate this. But my whole thing is this. If you're vaccinated, then why are you getting Why are you buying fake vaccination cards? Again, like I said, they're going to investigate this. Uh, I'm sure I'm hoping that, you know, he's come out and at least made a statement or said, look, here's what's what, you know, but he's spoken to his attorney. Um, I think his attorney said so much as, hey, he needs to get a booster. He'll get his booster on live TV if y'all want to watch. And I'm thinking, OK, that's kind of a little dramatic Why don't you just come out and say, hey, I'm vaccinated. Here's my card. My personal shelf is full of crap and leave it at that. Again, this sounds to me much like Aaron Rodgers. There's a simple explanation. Just say it and move on. And you look like less of a scoundrel for trying to do this. That's kind of my take on that. But there's your L's for the week. All right. So as we end the show today, um, I was made aware. So the undefeated, always a great source of uh, great things. Um, Yesterday, the University of Maryland men's basketball team Twitter account put out a tweet uh, saying, you know, gone but not forgotten. I mean, I'm just I'm not. This isn't an exact quote. Um, You know, yesterday would have been Lynn Bias's 58th birthday. And there are no words that I can use. I don't think I have the vocabulary to express to you how amazing it was to watch Lynn Bias play basketball. I wasn't the Maryland guy. I was an ACC guy with Maryland guy. And every time either North Carolina or UVA played Maryland, it was problems. And Lynn Bias would just give, not just those teams, but he gave the ACC the business and, Uh, When he passed away, I I was a teenager and it just blew my mind because, you know, I'm watching the NBA draft and I'm going, man, this is awesome. You know, uh, he's going to go go play in Boston and, and, you know, and then within a stretch of about 24 hours, it was all gone. You know, he was gone. And, you know, that, that was, you know, all you had left was what you remembered, um, you know, just the greatness that you saw. I mean, I feel like, you know, had he played in the league, it would have been a new day. I mean, just the way I feel like he would have transformed the game and some of the you know contemporaries that he would have played with. I mean, those would have been some great games. So, um, you know, we remember and we do not forget the contributions and the life of Lynn Bias uh, a day after what would have been his 58th birthday. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I leave you, and we're going to come back on Monday and try to do it again, do it again better than we did today. And until that time, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, email the show if you have comments, or hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, it's Uncle It's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Uh, the email address, I believe is sportswagonpod at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. Just don't take my word for it, but it's in the show notes. So email, voicemail, um, all the good stuff. Um, but as we end, we always say here, and I'm going to keep it brief because, you know, we ended the, no- ended the show on a little bit of a somber note, but, um, continue to take care of yourself, stay healthy and do all the things you can to be mindful of others and their health. And until I see you on Monday, so I this week, I thought I was going to record again yesterday, but there was nothing to talk about. But Monday, we'll be back because we want to recap the weekend and get you ready for the plethora of the feast of sport that will be as we enter the Thanksgiving holiday week. So until then, drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at it's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.